Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sports IQ with Michael Scott. On this channel, we will do a deep dive into sports and the statistical breakdown behind them. However, today I have something different in store. Today we're going to be doing an interview with Len Berman. Today we're the legendary uh, newscaster and journalist from NBC. He worked in New York City for many years. It um, covered a, a variety of sports. So today I'm going to be asking Len a few questions about baseball and how it's evolved during the years. Len, are you ready? Sure. Fire away. Okay, so one of my first questions for you was, baseball has, has changed. So how has it evolved from when you, were, when you started sportscasting? It, it's changed in many ways. It's changed uh, from a pitching standpoint, how um, pitch counts are so vital and important. I think when I started covering, we never even used the phrase pitch count. You know, it was a famous game years ago where a couple of famous pitchers, um, Warren Spahn and Juan Marichal, you could look it up. I think they each pitched 12 or 16, and I forget how many innings they pitched. They just kept going. You know, they pitched until their arms fell off. From a batting standpoint, I think the, uh, uh, the players were a lot more fundamentally sound. In other words, nowadays, it's a home run or a strikeout. In those days, they actually bunted. Did you ever hear of a drag bunt? Did you ever see a drag bunt? I mean, the players were famous for, you know, they would try to drag the bunt past the pitcher. If they did, they made it the first. My hero, Mickey Mantle, who hit over 500 career home runs, is one of the best drag bunters in baseball history for the Yankees. Um, they could hit the other way. They could advance the runner. A productive out is if you hit a ground ball and the base runner moved up. And none of that stuff seems to uh, hit and run. None of that stuff seems to uh, be in effect anymore. I mean, it really bothers me that next year... They're going to outlaw the shift where they put three players over on one side or four, whatever. Listen, there's, there's eight fielders other than the catcher or seven other than the catcher and pitcher. Let them play wherever they want. Doesn't you know? To me, that shows a lack of fundamentals on the part of the batter. Why? That means they can't hit the other way? They can't bunt? Learn some fundamentals. Don't change the rules. Make a T-ball if you're going to do that. Uh, thank you. Great insight from Len. So, Len, would you say that it's changed for the positive or the negative, or maybe a bit of both? Well, I think if you ask old-timers in any era, they'll always tell you it's changed for the worse. Um, I don't want to subscribe to that, but yeah. I feel that way many, many ways in basketball. I don't know if you're a basketball fan, yeah. but the same thing occurs to basketball. They chuck up three-point shots. You know, when I started following basketball, there was no three-point shot. Will Chamberlain scored 100 points in the game. There was no three-point shot, you know? Um, you know, I, it, it, players moved without the ball. They they set screens. You know, they set picks. Whatever. It's, so, I, it's patently typical of old timers to say, "Well, the game's not as good." But I really, in my heart of hearts, think that uh, that baseball isn't as good because of those reasons I set out. And uh, you know, I I don't like any of these rules. I don't like the rule that the relief pitcher has to pitch to three batters. I mean. Why set up artificial rules? Just play the game of baseball. Um, yes. Not fair to a manager to hamstring him that a, that a pitcher has to pitch to three batters. I mean, this whole idea of speeding up the game, you know, yeah, you speed up the game, you know, don't sell as many commercials. You know, charge more yeah. for the commercials and sell less of them and have shorter breaks between innings. That'll speed up the game a lot. Yeah, I agree. I see a lot of things such as, like, uh, made the rule the other, the other year that you could intentionally walk players without actually throwing four pitches to speed up the game. And they kept doing this, and it's really just they've also seen an increase of load management recently. I feel that some players don't play as much because they don't want to hurt themselves, 
and then I'll well, yeah. go inside I mean, the that, That's yeah. for sure. And you bring up the point about the four pitches. I was actually I took my grandson to a Mets game a couple of weeks ago, and someone was walked, and I said, "What happened?" You know, I, you know, and I'm a, I used to be a lot of this sport. I was a sportscaster for a lot of years, and I said that whole. And by the way, I've seen pitchers throw wild pitches when they're intentionally walking someone. I've seen batters get base hits that they swing at pitches that are too close. You know, why take away, you know, make them work for the living. You know, make them work. You know, people didn't go to, didn't go to a ball game and say, oh, I don't want to see an intentional walk. No one, I never heard anyone say that once in my entire life. Yeah, uh, I've also seen a lot of other changes such as declines in triples. Um, sure. You know, other, yeah, other small things that just uh, have a change throughout the years. And you're a young um, guy, and you've seen these changes. But yeah, they used to say that triple's the most exciting play in baseball. You know, when I actually saw a triple at the Mets game, and it was Brandon Nemo hit a triple. That was that was really exciting. A couple of runs scored. But you're right. I, I I don't I don't get a lot of it. You know what else I found weird? Now we're 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 taping this uh, the day after Memorial Day weekend. Uh, the Yankees didn't play on Memorial Day. They had the day off. I mean. Go back and watch a tape of Mickey Mantle's 500th career homer. If you ever want, and it's on the web, I think it was May 14th of, I'm going to say 68, it could be 67, I, I could be wrong. Anyway, go look at the tape and count. You know, you ever see these little diagrams, what's wrong, what's different about these two pictures? Well, yep. there's no batting gloves, there's no uh, stepping out of the batter's box and fixing the gloves in and out every time. Uh, Mickey, it's a home run, runs around the bases. There's no instant replay. But you hear the announcers say before the home run, hey, don't forget the Memorial Day doubleheader with the Yankees and Washington Senators. Memorial Day doubleheader. Yankees even play Memorial Day this year. Yes. Also something that has been talked about recently is a possible switch to uh, uh, computer umpires or robotic umpires. Yeah. Where Do you like that idea or... I'm not big. On, I like the. I like the. I do like the human element. I think it can drive you crazy. I mean, it was this famous perfect game a few years ago where the umpire blew the call at first base. Um, but I do like the human element. I really do. I don't. Uh, I don't like the instant replay. Here's my problem with instant replay in all sports. Instant replay was instituted originally in football, but now in all the sports to like um, correct egregious calls. If a call is obviously wrong. To correct it. Well, that's a noble idea. So set a time limit. I'd say 15 seconds, maybe 10 seconds. If you can't tell in the first 10 seconds it's egregiously wrong, play on because you're defeating the purpose of it. Yes, I completely agree. Okay, you ready for the next question? Yeah, fire. Okay. So, um, obviously, when you started being a sportscaster, um, right. you've done, yeah, you've, um, you spent years learning about sports, the ins and the outs. How has your perspective on baseball changed since becoming a sportscaster? Well, I think the very first thing that happened in my life was a couple of things. First of all, the realization that you don't, as a sportscaster, call the entire perspective through the eyes of the home team. First of all, let's say, for example, you're a Yankee fan. So... You know, you're likely to say the Yankees won or the Yankees lost. But, you know, there's another team. Maybe Baltimore won or Baltimore lost. And maybe it wasn't that the Yankees played a great game. Maybe Baltimore played a lousy game. 
And I think it's very important to weigh that and not just uh, go through the eyes of the team that you love. The other thing that happened to me <clears throat> was my very first uh, job, and it was a news job. It wasn't a sportscasting job. I was a TV newscaster in Dayton, Ohio. Now, the big deal, you know, if you're in New York is obviously the Yankees or whatever, but that's not the big deal if you're in Dayton, Ohio. It's the Cincinnati Reds. I happened to live there when, when, uh, and work there when Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and some really famous Reds were playing. And to see the perspective on some of the wire service reports, the wire services were based in New York. And remember, they sent out a bulletin back in the old days. You probably don't, not aware of this. They had what they called the wire machine. And it was a, a ticker tape. You've heard the noise. Tick, 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 tick. And it would tell you the news of the day. But if there was a bulletin, it would be double spaced. And a bell would ring. Ah, this is really important. So they sent out a bulletin one day when I was working in uh, Dayton, Ohio. The Bobby Mercer for the Yankees had ended his holdout. It was a bulletin, double space, the bells rang. Well, the same day, Pete Rose, the National League batting champion, ended his holdout for the Cincinnati Reds. No bulletin, no double space. They just sent it out as a regular story. That really opened my eyes. That really led me to, to understand that a lot of the media at the time, and still is, is based in the New York City area. And you can't let that perspective affect things. I mean, you have to look at things from... So I, you know, I viewed that and I said, well, wait a second, the Cincinnati Reds are an important story. You know, it's not, it's not all about the New York teams. It's about teams all over the country. So I think those are, those are the immediate things when I started covering baseball and sports that came to mind. Okay. So now we've talked about how it's evolved, but now we're going to take a look at the current teams. So I know it's early in the season, but who is your favorite right now? Who are you, some of your favorites to win or come close to the World Series? You know, um, it's hard to say. I, I don't think you can count out the Dodgers ever. Um, uh, I don't think you can count out uh, Tampa Bay with their terrific pitching. Um, uh, there's something special about the, the Mets this year. Now, granted, it's only uh, June 1st tomorrow, but here they are with a, uh, a nine, nine-and-a-half game lead with their two-star pitchers hurt. So I think you have to look at the Mets here. I think something special. And I'll, I also happen to be a Buck Showalter fan. He's their manager. And I think he's a, he's a good guy, and I think he's a good manager. But um, I guess, uh, you know, if I had to say today, it's hard to tell. I mean, the Red Sox started miserably, and now they're coming on. So very difficult. The Angels have a couple of superstars on their team, and they're, they're actually in New York tonight. So I, I got to give it more time. You know, they used to say, wait till July 4th. So, you know, give me a, give me a month. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's another question relating to um, current players today. Who are some of your current players? Who are some of your favorite players today to watch, who you find entertaining? Just Well, I, I, you know, locally, uh, I think Aaron Judge is a lot of fun to watch. I mean, uh, you know, Scherzer, before he got hurt, was fun to watch. Um I think this guy in the Angels, uh, Otani, is just remarkable. I mean, he's the latter-day Babe Ruth. And, you know, Babe Ruth didn't hit and pitch simultaneously. You know, he was basically a pitcher, then he became a hitter. So the whole thing uh, with Otani, I think, is, is just great. So uh, uh, those are a couple. But I have to t I will have to tell you I don't sit and watch as many games as probably you do. So, you know, you tell me. Who, what are the guys you like? Well, for me, I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is one of my favorites to watch. Because okay. he's obviously he's an amazing batter. And he yeah. makes some eye-popping fielding plays. And I think that, honestly, we should cherish them. Well, I um, think we should because I don't think there are a lot of them. Yeah, you know? I agree. 
They used to, I don't know if they if they still do, but they used to talk about a five-tool player. And they used to be hit, hit with power, run, field, throw. And, uh, you know, to me, the greatest player I ever saw was Willie Mays, you know, and uh, right behind him was Roberto Clemente on Pittsburgh. I mean, my hero, Mickey Mantle, I, I, you know, they used to argue who was the best center fielder in New York. It used to be three teams in New York, Dodgers, Giants, Mets. Uh, Dodgers, Giants, Yankees. And he used to say, well, who's the best center fielder? Mickey Mantle, Duke Snyder, or Willie Mays? Those were the three players. But I knew Willie Mays was the best, but I was a Yankee fan, so I love Mickey Mantle. But I knew that Willie Willie was just the best. Okay. So now we're going to talk about um, some of the other leagues and possible ideas for baseball. Okay. So, okay. so what I've noticed is that um, a lot of college sports, they're very big across America. You see college football with the college football playoffs. And all yeah. the different bowl games. Of course, you have March Madness with the um, college yeah. basketball. I was just wondering, why do you think college baseball has not reached a level of popularity as, per se, college basketball or football? Ah, yeah, that's a great question. College hockey might fit in the same mode, sort of. Um, well, there was always something special about college basketball because I think there was a connection with the fans because most 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 fans went to one college or another. And in those days, I mean, I used to call Big East games. I was the first TV announcer for the Big East in college basketball. Uh, the players, uh, players like uh, uh, Patrick Ewing and Chris Mullen, famous players, would stay in one college for four years. So I think that's where it comes from, the, the affinity. You know, there was a time in America, college football was bigger than pro football. Pro football was not a big sport. But pro football first started... Coming, coming out in the late 40s, well, they've been around since the 30s, but people didn't go to the games as much. You know, they liked the college sports were big in football or and, and in basketball. Uh, why baseball? Probably because of the major leagues. I mean, I think that, you know, you see the most talented players in the major leagues, and I think, you know, the, the players who are in college baseball are not fully developed. I know that argument doesn't hold water because you could say the same thing about, you know, college basketball and college football. But those sports were always huge uh, before uh, pro, before pro basketball and uh, and pro uh, football. The college sports were big. I mean, you go back to the '40s. You know, Army, Army, Navy, and the players who played uh, in those games during wartime. It was huge. It was big. You know, and the pros, well, not so much. I know it doesn't answer your question. I guess I'd have to give it a lot more thought. But I think it's it's how sports developed. You know. In America, uh, soccer and cricket, uh, cricket didn't develop, you know, in the early years, and I think consequently, uh, that's why they're not as popular. That's interesting, and also when you talk about the players that weren't developed, that makes me think about the farm system and how so many players have to. A lot of the developing comes in the farm system, and it's different in things like the NBA and the NFL. Where yeah, and also it is different. It is very different. Uh, there's no. Yeah. You know, the farm system is college in, in those couple of sports, so that might have something to do with it. But, um, you know, there, there's an exception. I mean, there is an occasional baseball player who comes along, but the guy like a Kobe Bryant or a, or a LeBron James is rare where they just step right out of high school into the pros. Yep, and also back to the college football you were talking about, I feel like that the reason why uh, college football is so popular and uh, I feel like the same level of popularity as the NFL right now is because that, College football stretches to all parts of the countries, all parts of the country. I mean, you have a huge fan base in places like Iowa and Nebraska and Arkansas, which don't have normal professional sports teams because most states have a college. They don't, but you know, the argument against what you're saying now, and college football is huge. I mean, Alabama in the South, you know, the SEC is monstrous. Um, uh, that's a good point. However, uh, college football is just 
not popular in the New York City area. So when you think about that, you say, well, there's got to be a reason. I mean, you know, pro football dominates. I mean, if you put a Giants game or a Jets game up against a college football game, the ratings would be would dwarf the college game. In other words, the pro game would, is so popular. Yeah. Okay, so I have a couple more questions. Okay. One of them being, so recently we've seen uh, incline, uh, uh, an incline in women's sports and uh, incre- an increased viewing such as the right. WNBA. Do you see a possible co? Do you see two leagues coinciding, such as the WMOB or a women's league? I, I, I find that hard. Even listen, I'm, I know this is polit- politically incorrect, but I don't think the um, I know the women's soccer uh, just uh, you know got a, a, a landmark case where they're going to be paid the same as the men. Um, truth of the matter is, the viewership for the men's soccer around the world is much bigger than for women, and they bring in more money, and they bring in bigger crowds, they bring in bigger advertising dollars. So, no, I don't think. Um, listen, I I could be wrong here, and I, you know, I leave it to the individual to make the, their own decision. But you take an event where the women and the men are supposedly equal; they make equal prize money at, at the major tennis tournaments, the U.S. Open, Wimbledon. I still think. Um, more people um, want to watch the men than want to watch the women. So I, I salute them, and it's, sound, and it's politically correct, and they've, they've made some great strides, but I really don't see the point where they're uh, co-equal, particularly in the, in, the, in the four major sports. Okay, interesting. And also, just to bring us back to the farm system one more yeah. time, I have noticed, I feel like, that the farm system is having effects on other leagues. You see the G League, the growth of the G League, and the Ignite team, and, uh, and other smaller teams that uh, the pro teams used to develop. Right. Would you say that the farm system has a, has an effect on other different professional sports? Well, I, you know, I, I like when they try out rules in the farm system. I mean, they're, they've been, in some of the leagues, they've been trying a pitch clock. I'm a big fan of a pitch clock. I, I always envision a day where, let's say they have whatever the number is, 20 seconds between pitches, 25, where the fans start chanting, five, four, Three, throw the ball already. I mean, you know, so I, I, li- I like that one. I like the leagues that try stuff like that, the pitch block. But, uh, um, yeah, I think some of the developmental leagues are good, but I don't, I don't think they're going to, uh, I don't think they're going to draw a mass audience, you know, to some of these, uh, you know, minor leagues in the sports. That's just about going to wrap up our that's podcast. That's it? Okay. Thanks, sir. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. And this was Len Berman and Michael Scott. Bye. As always, tell your friends and family so we can keep growing the Sports IQ community and share our love for sports with everybody else. And as always, check my channel for new episodes. I post about every week.